Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. This podcast is for and about women of colour and our relationship with nature. Hosted by me, Cherie Mack. The Earth Sea Love Podcast is committed to exploring the experiences of women of colour with Mother Nature. We want to provide spaces where the hidden voices in the environmental and conservation conversations can explore their relationship with the natural world. Inspired by our time spent outdoors, we amplify the voices of women of colour, our stories, our conversations, interviews, photography, writing and artwork. We'll be exploring our legacies, histories and memories which have had an influence and effect upon how we perceive ourselves within the natural world and within the environmental and climate justice movements. Welcome to the Earth Sea Love Podcast. The Earth Sea Love Podcast has been made possible by the funding from National Lottery Heritage Fund. Thank you. So, welcome back to the second part of the episode with Jola. And I took the decision to split this one in half um, because it was going to be a long one. And also to give you a breather in between the issues that we were discussing in this episode, which is now in two parts. As in parts, it can be heavy going as we are talking about racism, discrimination, microaggressions. And in this episode, we continue to get acquainted with Fred Jola's tumour and issues within our National Health Service when it comes to black women's bodies. We also start to explore how nature has been a healing force within Jola's recovery and her life going forward here in the UK. We also touch upon those barriers that we face as black women or women of colour when we try to get out into nature, into the countryside, and how we are faced with internal fears, but then also we have to encounter um, the reception and perception of us while out there. Um, So yeah, so here's the second part. Um, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening to the SC Love Podcast.
Um, and my troubles in the hospital continued and st when that nurse then said, you know, you shouldn't be in pain. I couldn't walk after three days. I was vomiting. I, I was clearly losing my mind and I was dying. And they, they were going to keep me there until my uncle came up and said he was going to sue the hospital if I died there. <laughs> That's when they moved me to Gateshead and I had emergency surgery. I can't imagine if I didn't have him come up to say that, I would be... No, first, Jola, you got to take credit here. You know your body. You're the expert on your body. And that's yeah. what gets lost within the medical profession because they've trained so long and mm. they know what they're doing. And you are just a layman. They have all the expert knowledge, etc., etc. Mm. However, that medical training is not actually trained in caring for black, Asian and ethnic minority bodies. Yeah. They are not trained in that. And also... Mm they do not recognize us as having that knowledge of our own bodies yeah. that we yeah. that we know our bodies and if something's not right we know we feel it and i'm trying to yeah. tell you this can you listen to me so you've got mm -hmm. to take credit there yes your uncle came up and threatened in sue suing them so that's their language thinking they recognize yeah. that language but you did advocate for yourself you did push yeah. for yourself. And that that is something that I have learned just recently of of us having to be within the, the medical system, which doesn't recognize us mm. and having to advocate for ourselves. Because I, I know <laughs> just thinking about my back surgery that I had at the back of last year, I went mm. to the walk-in um, mm. And I was told it was just a, um, a muscle, a, a dead muscle. And I was mm -hmm. given um, exercises to move my knee. Yeah, because I was having, I had a numb leg and I was a mm -hmm. numb backside. And mm. I was saying, no, it's not that. There's something else here. It's no, that's trying to do with your back and your spine. Yeah. They didn't look at that. They just said, you know, go home or you could go to your GP because I, I had put in a, a, an appointment with my GP, but it just got mm. so bad. The pain, I couldn't sleep. I was having trouble walking. I couldn't sit properly. I had to sit on one side to keep my one buttock up because it's so sore. And she says, oh, yeah, it's just like seems to be some inflammation in the muscle, probably a dead muscle. And here's some exercises that will help it move easier. And I thought, well, no, I'm sorry. Uh, so I did go to my doctor and my doctor, he was an Asian man. He was an Asian doctor. And he says, it sounds like sciatica or some kind of slip disc. Um, why don't you go see a physiotherapy, a ther physiotherapist? And as it happened, we had one in our local doctor's surgery. So I booked the next day. She went through the number of symptoms and then she said, are you having any numbness between your legs? And I says, um, well, I think it's starting. And she goes, right, we have to stop now. And she reg flagged me up to accident and emergency. And again, when they found out it was a bulging disc that was pressing on nerves on my right side, 
Oh. And even though they said, you know, there could be permanent damage here, you could lose function in your bladder and what's your other one? Yeah, your bowels. Yeah, your bladder and your bowels. The specialists turn around and says, well, usually, you know, when it's a case like this, we don't actually operate. We just use physiotherapy and pain management. I says, I'm not. What What is the potential here of permanent damage? And yeah. I says, all you're doing is putting off an inevitable thing that might be happening to me. I says, no, oh. I want the operation. I ASAP as soon as possible because yeah. I want my quality of life back. And he says, yeah. well, you know there's nerve damage done now you probably wouldn't get that quality of life back now and um so you know what would be the point I what <laughs> it's my life that is the point that's the point <laughs> that is the point so again i had to i had to be advocate for myself and push and i was scared to death because you know this is like gone from Okay, I've got a numb leg, you know, I'm getting around too. Okay, you could lose control of your bowel and your bladder here, but we might not take the operation. Um, so, yeah. So, sorry, we're just swapping medical stories here. But, um, that but just it, brought something up for me because it's actually this trauma lives in our bodies. Yeah. It lives in our bodies. And, you know, that was a physical trauma of my back. You've had that physical trauma of um cancer but we also have that psychological and emotional trauma of just going through society and life as a black woman you know i'm not going to go into any more of my stories but because of a certain experience i had that was a very public shaming i dropped out of society and it was nature that brought me back to myself so let can we flip the switch and let's embrace what I'm calling now radical joy in the sense of these things happen to us and we're telling you these things happen to us because it's important that we tell our stories and that you hear our experiences but they're they're usually negative Um, but the positive and I do lean into the positive of that radical joy and showing up with a smile on my face because I am that kind of person how has nature helped your healing process your physical one your psychological one your emotional one i would say straight after chemotherapy uh we signed up for what is a program called timing out and they take you to the lake district for a week away and it's like a just time to heal but also to challenge yourself doing things um and it was a lot of my friends from the hospital um and it made me see that you know the the uk does have green spaces that are massive you know not just a a little park um and I was with a lot of white people. I'm not going to lie about that. That made me a little bit, you know, like, oh, I was the, yeah, I was the only black girl in the whole area with the group and within the place where we stayed. So I couldn't talk about some of my experiences to them because they wouldn't understand. Um, But in terms of when it came to cancer, it was... They were therapeutic. It was really good 
I got over my fear of like swimming in deep water <laughs> without looking at the bottom constantly. <laughs> I've been there. I've been there. Um, and then after the week, we were brought back home, and I had a panic attack because I had to deal with now the government, the Home Office. It was just a piece of documentation, basically really threatening. Uh, saying that, you know, I had to leave and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, again, I was cut off from me. And I was kind of going through all this stuff. I had just found out my mom had passed on, um, you know. So, I was getting psychological help, but I was still removed from nature. Then comes... The Andrew Centre and you coming to work with the centre. Um, you took us out to a lot of different places that were close by. So it was easier for me to see myself travelling there on my own without having to say, no, I can't travel to the Lake District. I don't have that money because I'm a woman without recourse as well. Mm. So I don't have that money. Um, I'm not working. So... I, you know, it felt like nature was miles away from me. And then you came in and you were like, yeah, like, we're going we're gonna to go out and we're going to... Uh, I remember the... the What was it called? The, where we, the herbal walk where we looked yeah. at all the... And I love that because, you know what? It reminded me of home mm. and, like, traditional medicines for healing and... Like, if you had a bad tummy, you'd drink some fermented clove water. It was horrible, but it's <laughs> putting you out. <laughs> you know? um, and also, like, chili peppers. Like, and it brought back that memory of when I was having chemo, um, you would vomit a lot. So they'd give you an anti-nausea injections or pills. Mm -hmm. And those didn't really work for me. But then I found that eating really spicy chilies from home stopped me. <laughs> 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 I was going to like, you know. <laughs> but then going on those walks, touching the leaves, seeing the bug. I saw, I think it was on our most recent one, where I saw a dragonfly again for the first time. <laughs> so in years since I, I've left Nigeria, like you have dragonflies, butterflies of different kinds, fireflies. Sessa flies in Nigeria, mm. these cute, beautiful, beautiful things that just, you know, you want to be one of them. No. <laughs> but it was amazing. Um, I felt like the earth was like, uh, like a tree with roots, you know, like the earth was welcoming back in. I could breathe again and just let go and, and not think about any stresses that were back home in my room. Or what I was going to do when I got back. Or, oh, you know, you have to deal with this phone call and you have to talk to the solicitor and you have to do all of this stuff. Mm. But what if it all goes bad? No, I was there with soil. I was there with grass, trees, stone. I was walking. I was climbing. And sometimes it was harder for me to go as far as I wanted. Mm. But I loved it. Mm. I loved going out with the other ladies from the centre, but mm. also with all the other ladies from the leadership group. And 
yeah, the young women's leadership group when we went camping and <laughs> I did, I did, I was so excited. I remember my first night in the tent. Right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the little loudly. <laughs> well, I was just gonna say we'll not talk about it because, like, we we have this running battle. No, it was you that was snoring. No, it was me that was snoring. No, how could it be me snoring if I was awake and I heard you snoring? <laughs> But yeah, I yeah. so I so miss it. There are mm. a number of barriers in place that stop black women specifically yeah. to have a mm. closer relationship with nature. And I'd like you to talk, if you don't mind, on what barriers you might have experienced or what barriers you know. I think with there's a lot. Um, so in terms of getting to places financially, mm. um, you. I can't walk everywhere mm. because I have a hidden disability. So getting to from a city, an urban district, oh, um, it's really difficult with certain spaces to get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but also when you do finally go, um, you find out you're only probably one of the only faces you'll see unless you go with like, our group, which is a bit different, you know, people are often like put off or scared because they're concerned about being stared at or, you know, microaggressions <laughs> that could happen when they're out there in nature. Um, another issue apart from, you know, money and also the fear of the experience of experiencing non-black people is also kind of relating to if you don't know the space how do you get there because normally you're not I don't know about education here like in secondary schools and stuff but in Nigeria you're not taught about that kind of stuff about how to get out into nature so coming here you know the you know their parts but you want more than a part sometimes Mm. you know you want to actually go out into rural England. You want to um, walk into different spaces um, other than your local park, if you have a local park next to you. So where do I go? How do I get there? Um, information. Information. Yeah, information. But just information from people that you feel safe to contact at times is kind of an issue. Um for me personally, language isn't an issue, but some of the women that I've supported mm. is language. Mm. So if they they get one of those wildlife trust leaflets, they don't understand. Or um, if someone says, oh, just go on the website or oh, just ring someone up, that's mm. an issue that they face because the person on the phone with, with them might be frustrated mm. trying to simplify as, you know, or... Um, doesn't understand the fact that this person has, um, I wouldn't say, I don't like language barrier. I would say people not communicating with each other properly. So that's an issue. But I I don't know if you've looked at the new anti-trespassing law. That's one thing. Um, it's It's a bill, and I think they're arguing it at the moment. And it's about people kind of, it it covers everything. So people who are protesting, but also 
people who are walking. Mm. Um, and sometimes you can get lost whilst you're on a hike, you know, and you might enter someone's property without mm. realizing that mm. it's someone's property. So mm. that's another barrier because you're scared, you know, yeah. you're like, oh, yeah. I don't want to break a law. I don't want to get fined. I don't want to get, you know, in a prison or anything. So that's, that's a new thing that they're putting out saying, you know, you, you have to kind of know whose land is whose land. And if you don't have that training or support to know wh what signs to look out for, mm. you could just end up on someone's property. Mm. So mm. It, it's kind of scary in, in a sense. So partly those issues, yeah. if I can get out and go to go to the sea, even if I can mm. get out, get there or, you know, go for a walk or um, a hike, just get some green energy into me that would that kind of heals me and calms me down mm. um and it kind of reassures me again our guide and trainer has started leading walks out again mm. and there's part of me that go yay go for it because i know he's you know he's an independent man and it's his yeah. own business and he probably needs the money etc but it just yeah. also when i see it my heart leaps and i'm thinking are you being safe yeah. are you social distancing are you are you wearing masks and i know it's more difficult to catch the coronavirus outside but there's still oh. that fear that follows me around when I'm outside oh. and and that's why you know as a group we've decided to postpone our summer activities with yeah. our groups of black and Asian and ethnic minority women and children so we can keep them safe and not feel that that we're putting them in harm's way or increasing yeah. their risk of yeah catching it for them and it and it pains me to actually do that and to say no sorry we're not going to be meeting up for a while but mm. it, it's i just want people and we all want to be safe and yeah and healthy and so if that means that we get a our nature connection as individuals and we share it or if we get that connection through these podcast episodes then so be it I I feel much better about yeah. that. Thinking about a year or two down the line when <laughs> the, the vaccine, what are your hopes for the future? What have you got on the horizon? Now, I know that you've mentioned the Home Office and we won't go into that because I know you can't talk about your case. Yeah. But if in an ideal world that you gain permission to stay hassle-free you know, oh. freedom oh. um what do you see on the horizon for you and nature and your yeah. lowland leadership expedition leader qualification and you are yeah. first aid outdoor first aid qualified yes. are you going to use this how is how's it going to support you and others i see myself like leading uh walks and i, I want I'm already doing many things now, like taking some of the ladies to parks and, you know, the beach, which was a few weeks ago. <laughs> but I was so lucky. I timed it at a time where it wasn't going to have loads of people. Oh, gosh, that <laughs> is good timing. 
it was hard. <laughs> it was hard. I said to them, if we saw people there, we weren't going in. And it was really good. They got to de-stress, you know, run into the water, feel the sea and, you know, reconnect it. This is our space too. We deserve to be out here. This is our land. We were born here. You know, we were born on this planet. I wasn't born in Venus or Mars. This is my home too, you know? Um, so, yeah, I see myself doing more of that. I'm hopefully doing more support work where I do get to relate nature with mental health a bit more, mm-hmm. with the experiences that a lot of the women and their children have experienced is very, very, very important to find a space where we can heal. Um, and nature is healing. Uh, I'll be doing, I'm doing the residential as well. So hopefully with time we can get back and do that. Um, and I think with everything, writing more, uh, doing more support work, getting out more into nature, sleeping out there longer. I want to do that as well. (laughs) I think within the next two to three years, hopefully working, studying. You're still young, aren't you, Jola? How old are you? Yeah. I'm 27. (laughs) (laughs) You are still young. You are still very, very young. But you have so much experience and wisdom um, within you. We're coming to the end, but what I'd like you to maybe is is just share some kind of insight that you have learned along this way in your journey of life so far, which has been so, so difficult and traumatic, but still you are here laughing and joyous and, you know, you are a ray of sunshine. What insight or learning can you pass on to our listeners um, that sees you well, that keeps you carrying on? There are two things that that pop into my head all the time. It's my mum saying, don't let anyone rob you of your joy. (laughs) And Maya Angelou saying, think of the rainbows in your clouds. Um, I put those two together because sometimes it's very difficult, especially mentally. You um, feel like you can't carry on anymore. And Living and carrying on is a form of rebellion against everything else. So you have to, you you have to keep living because even though it's hard and it's difficult and you're tired and you're exhausted and you feel like there's no way ahead, there is always that one more step. Just try your best. Even if it's the step into nothingness, keep reminding yourself that you are worthwhile. You you know, it's taken, what, billions of years of creation to for you to be here, you mm-hmm. know? And that is in itself a magical thing. The fact that we're all on this planet at this given time is a magical thing. We will never get back that last second. <laughs> but we can get back a new second, <laughs> a new minute, you know. And 
I think those are the only things. Like you surround yourself with people who who will continue to to love you and push you ahead, who will give you their energy and understand that you are you and they love you for you. The, mm. You know, your wholeness, even yeah. when you are pretty low <laughs> to when you're pretty high up. Um, yeah. Don't let anyone rob you of your joy. Just keep going. Mm. That's all I can say. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Jola. And it's been such an honor and a pleasure to talk to you today. Oh, yeah, it's been <laughs> amazing. I've got a big, wild smile on my face. I'm like, yes, we can. <laughs> it's been awesome. Thank you, Chola. Thank you. Take care. You too.